Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. There are so many challenges involved in the college process, including choosing the right college, planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. It's mid-January, which means that for any seniors who are listening, you ideally are already done with your process, in which case maybe you're not listening, but maybe you're just tuning in because you haven't even gotten started. And believe it or not, that is actually not a huge problem. And so later in the show, we're going to talk a little bit more about what to do if you haven't even gotten started yet. But the early part of the show is all about twins and multiples. And so for any of those out there listening who either are twins or multiples or the parents of them, um, our focus today is on how to approach the admissions process and also how to pay for it. And we're going to start with the admissions process. And joining me for that discussion today is my colleague, who also is a former Barnard and Whittier admissions officer, is is uh, is Mary Sue Yoon. Hi, Mary Sue. Hi, Beth. Hi, so Mary Sue, you volunteered to do this segment with me because you have worked with many twins over the years, as have I. Um, so yep. I am interested to talk to you about this. And I think just in terms of getting started, probably one of the things that parents should consider and certainly that students should consider is what type of twins do you have or what type of multiples do you have? And um, you were sharing with me that you've really seen three primary types in both your practice and just in your personal life. Um, So why don't we start with type one? How would you identify type one? So um, I would call the type one um, set of twins or multiples sort of the identical in every way kind of group, and it doesn't matter whether they're actually identical or fraternal, but just that they have very similar interests um, throughout high school, very similar grades. Um, I had good friends in college who kind of fit into this category, um, and they ended up going, obviously, to the same college, same major, same activities, um, and really kind of were roommates, hung together, were best friends best friends after graduation. So these are the ones who kind of are looking for very similar college experiences and probably want to go to college together too. So that's that's sort of the group one type of twins. Got it. So from your perspective, what are some of the things that might be easier for twins who identify in this identical in every way? Um, right. Yeah. So I think for these Types of twins, it's a little easier on the parents from the visiting perspective if you have twins who are pretty much in sync about where they want to go and they have decided that they want to go to college together and they're, they're looking um, at similar types of schools. Uh, there might still be some obvious negotiation as to which schools those might be, but probably you're visiting the schools together with both um, both sets of, or both members of the twin, both twins, um, and you're probably going through the process uh, kind of as a, a singular unit almost in terms of the, the things that they're doing. Um, right. Yeah, so that's kind of the things that are, that are helpful in the process is that it's a little easier to get out and visit if you have one set list of schools to go visit with, with both students. Well, and, and and another interesting possible positive for that, too, is that you have two students kind of 
constantly talking to each other about what they want. And Mm -hmm. one of the challenges that we can see sometimes is students are sort of like, I don't really know what I want. Or they, you know, they don't, the parent's perspective is obviously not the same as the student's perspective because they're a lot older, they're coming at it from a totally different perspective than a teenager is, or maybe not completely different, but fairly different. Whereas when you have these identical twins who want the same things out of their college experience, they almost, they have each other to talk about and bounce. Well, what did you like about this one? Right. And you can kind of remind each other because I could see that as a, as a positive as well. What about what you see as kind of the tougher part about this going through the process when you are identical in every way? Right. So I do think that the tougher part in this process for those identical in every way kind of twins is still differentiating yourself as an individual. And so I worked with a few students or a few sets of twins that I would put in this category. Um, and in those scenarios, uh, they we had to be kind of careful that they really weren't, It's you know, they joke about sort of twin telepathy, but they weren't repeating everything in the applications. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I would actually work with them separately um, and try and get them to brainstorm their essay ideas separately, write different types of essays. Um, and sometimes it can be hard to, if you see yourself as very much being intertwined with your twin, to really think about your experiences differently. So you do have to sort of push the student to, to think about themselves as an individual because they still will be read um, as an individual in the admissions process. So uh, we didn't want total overlap in what they did. And so um, my role in, in working with these identical in every way kind of twins was sometimes to say, yeah, we're getting a little too close. Let's think about how to sort of stretch beyond the bounds of what you do together and talk about what things differentiate you in the process right. as well. Right. And because I do think one of the challenges can be that um, if you're applying to all the same schools and it's fairly clear that you want to attend the same schools, there is some pressure from an admissions perspective or there can be to make the same decision. Mm -hmm. And I know that when I was at Penn, I can think of um, more than one, but one particularly stands out in my mind because these two young men were literally the same in every way. They did mm-hmm. not do a j- good job of differentiating themselves. And it, and it almost read as a little bit off, if that makes any sense. They just sort of yeah. did not seem like their own people. And mm-hmm. um, and then the other challenge that I have seen in, in, and I think a bigger challenge when you get into the very selective level is that Sometimes they're identical in every way except for grades and one mm-hmm. student, they could both be really excellent students, but one is better than the other from the perspective of maybe um, just just a little better from a grade perspective and maybe a test score perspective. And when you're looking at the very, very most selective level where you know there are little things that separate the kids that you're going to ultimately admit from the ones that you don't. I have seen it happen where the student who wasn't quite as strong meant that maybe we didn't admit either, although I have also seen the reverse where the where the stronger twin can pull the other one in. But mm-hmm. I do think when Absolutely. the applications, right, when they get to the college, there is a little bit of a challenge there. And, and it's probably helpful to know that by applying to only the same schools, you really are hitching your wagon to each other in a way that is different from any other student that's going to be in the pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, that's number one. What about the second type that you've seen? So the second type of 
twin profile, I would say, is the, the students who have very different interests, very different, sometimes very different academic profiles, sometimes not, but they have very different college searches. So I can think of a set of boy twins that I worked with in my practice where um, one twin um, wanted sort of very large, rah-rah, public universities, lots of school spirit, um, and the other was really into small liberal arts colleges. So they were looking at totally different types of schools. One was into science, the other was into business, different majors. They were somewhat different academically, and they had no um, ideas of, of going to college together. So it was like running two simultaneous yet separate college searches um, for their parents. So, um, you know, there can be pluses and minuses to that as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess on some level, what the most challenging part about that is you have two kids going through the process at the same time. But mm-hmm. just as if you had one student who's a senior, you go through the process with that student, and then you have another one who two years later goes through the process. But instead of it happening in staggered years, they're happening all at once. And and that's right. challenging because getting to right. all those schools, um, I've had that as well. And when that's happened, parents really had to approach it from a divide and conquer perspective. So mm-hmm. I remember they did school visits during February break and one parent took one twin to go see schools and the other took the other twin to go see a different set of schools. And mm-hmm. that was the only way that they were able to make it work. So can be tough. Yeah. Yeah, and I do think for those sets of twins, it can, I mean, hopefully, you. It, it, I have seen kind of the divide and conquer approach as well, and and you know, not everybody's in the situation where where they have two parents or have two parents that can take the time off to visit. So yes, if it is one true. parent who's mostly doing the visits, it can be tough to have you know a lengthy list of schools to visit because you know that they're they're. Um, looking at different types of schools. Um, I also did in those kind of scenarios when I was working with those types of twins who were very, very different, sometimes you didn't want to have, you didn't want them to play the comparison game if they were academically different mm-hmm. as to, you know, what sort of, um, I know that a, a parent that I worked with of multiples really wanted me to be very aware of not um, sort of comparing the, the tier or the level of the selectivity of the school's um, because one twin was a stronger student um, and sort of really talking much more about um, that, which I don't do anyway, but much more talking about the, the best fit um, for each student and their own individual needs and their own individual interests. Um, and I think that just in looking at very different types of schools, sometimes the expectations in the admissions process were very different. So in my case of the, the boy twins that I was talking about, one was looking at small liberal arts colleges that had a lot of supplemental writing the other was mostly looking at large public universities that didn't have a lot of supplemental writing. So the one twin who was looking at big schools was like done pretty early on in the process and was kind of like, woo, I'm done everything, where the <laughs> other one still had many, many, many essays still to write. So we just needed to be aware and uh, empathetic to the one who still had a lot more to go in the process. Yeah, absolutely. I, I see an, one other positive, I guess, is that a little bit less of an, you can't imagine that the applications would be very similar given that they're so different, but less mm-hmm. of a concern, right? So if they're, if they will not be applying to any of the same schools, then it doesn't matter as much if they write about something similar um, because they had a similar life experience. But again, yep. this is the place where you're less likely to see that. Mm-hmm. All right. So there's a third kind. Um, yep. And this one is, a, you know, a little bit 
harder to yeah, describe. a little bit of A and a little bit of B. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. So, uh, yeah. you know, talk us through type three. Okay. So the type three, I would say the, the sort of similar, sort of different kind of group. And um, I have sisters that are identical twins. So I'll, I'll convince them to listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, but um, they are older than me, and uh, they went through the process in a little bit of a tricky middle in that they were in very similar activities in high school. They were both in sports and music. They had similar grades. They wanted to look at similar colleges, small liberal arts colleges. They both wanted to go into education, um, but they were very clear that they did not want to go to college together. Yeah. So my parents um, were it had a tough time in navigating, um, okay, how do we look at similar schools for them, but ultimately, in the end, they're going to want to pick different schools, and so how do you negotiate? Maybe you both got into one school that you really love, and you have to negotiate, okay, who's going to go there if you're not if you don't want to um, both go to the same school. So what they ended up doing was um, they had some overlap in their college list. There were some schools where they both applied. Um, and then they had some schools that only one of them applied to. Um, so it was a, some of the same, some different. In the end, they decided to both choose to enroll at schools that the other one hadn't applied to. Um, and I think that they did both have some interest in some of those similar schools, but they decided that they didn't want to, one didn't want to pick it over the other kind of thing. So there's a bit of a tricky negotiation there. They still had to coordinate for the similar schools what their application and essays would look like, Um, but it was, in some ways, was a divided search and in some ways was a similar search. So that can be tricky to negotiate in its own way. Yeah, I mean, those actually sound like almost the toughest one and the most guaranteed (laughs) for there to be Tears and recriminations, potentially, right? right? If you both get in and you both decide it's your favorite school, but you're really not willing to budge on not going together, then, you know, is it rock, paper, scissors? It sounds like right, your sisters right. came, to, came to an agreement that kept the peace and probably was a really nice way to think it through. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say not all teenagers are able to approach it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. I've I've worked with students like this before, twins like this before. One of the things that I actually had them do was um, in the case where they were applying to the same school, it was tricky, right? Because you don't want to tell those schools, well, I'm definitely going to a different school than my twin because then the school is saying, well, great, if we admit them both, we're, the only chance we have is to yield one. But at the same right. time... If you're not sure yet where you're going to go, you don't you don't want to say what well, I, I you know I definitely don't want to go, but also you don't want to say I definitely do want to go, right? So almost giving the admissions office the message that it's okay to not make the same decision, um, and I think what I had them do was do something in the additional information section, just making a note that my twin is in the pool and um, you know we are not sure yet if. Uh, I forget exactly how it was worded, but a little less wishy-washy than what I'm saying. But, you know, just kind of letting the schools know that we're not necessarily making the same decision. Right. We're making independent decisions in our college search process. Yeah. Exactly. And and almost saying sort of, so please, by all means, make an independent decision on your front. And obviously, the colleges are going to do what they're going to do. But I do, and I don't know if you remember this from your time in admissions, but I do distinctly remember there being... 
not a mandate, but definitely encouraging making the same decision for the twins, Mm -hmm. whatever that decision was, making the same one. Did you have the same thing? Yes. So at Barnard, so which is of course a highly selective school, we did have a policy of um, twins needed to be given the same decision, unless there was a clear reason why they wouldn't be given the same decision. So if one twin's an A student and the other is a C student, that's a pretty clear academic difference. Um, mm-hmm. But if they're very close um, academically, you know, maybe one had an extra B here or a, a lower you know, an honors class instead of an AP class or something like that. So pretty close, we would give the same decision. Um, right. And so it, only if there was, as our dean, I believe, used to say, like, if you could get on the phone with that mom and say, there's a clear difference here, and that's why we took one and we didn't take the other, um, then, you know, then that's the, the decision you need to be comfortable with is one that you could justify later right. on. And there were some times that we did actually have different decisions because there was a clear um, academic differentiation uh, between right. the two. Yeah, I mean, I would be careful that you don't, um, that parents and students who are listening don't say, well, great, you know, my one, my twin is more competitive than I am, we'll both apply and we'll both get in, because depending on the selectivity level, it's more apt to go in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Not that it always did, but if if um, it can happen that the twin who is not quite as academically qualified could pull the other yeah. one down, or as outside of the classroom qualified, whatever it is, right? It could right. go that way. And that's obviously yeah, not I've ideal. I've definitely seen it, one sort of be pulled up and one sort of be pulled down. I've seen both scenarios. So there's not yeah. a, um, a clear cut and dry. It was. It really was how strongly was each individual read and how much did you want them in the class and feel that you were, they were a great fit for your institution, like with any admissions decision. That's exactly right. So it had to be a pretty compelling application from mm-hmm. both of them. But, but you know, if it was going to pull the other one along, it really had to be like, yeah, this is someone we absolutely have to have. So yep. just be careful when it comes to that. Um, Mary Sue, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. And I think hope that um, parents and actual multiples are, are getting um, – parents of multiples and those who are multiples themselves got some really good uh, advice to take away from this. So I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Beth. Absolutely. All right. We're going to be back in a few minutes to talk about how to pay for twins. Um, And in this case, it may not matter what kind of twins you have um, or multiples you have. The fact is that um, it can be expensive. So don't go away. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, 
how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says, yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. In our first segment today, we talked about twins and multiples and how to think about the college application process if you are the parent of twins and multiples or you are twins or multiples yourself. Um, Now, of course, getting in is one thing, right? Paying for it is another. And joining us today to talk about how to pay for twins and multiples to go to college is my colleague, Lori Peltier, who is a former financial aid officer at Anna Maria and also at Becker Colleges. And, um, of course, most importantly, Lori is herself the parent of twins. Lori, welcome. Hi, Beth. Happy to be here. Oh, good. Well, we're very excited to have you particularly here to talk about this because this obviously is something close to your heart, um, really the financial impact of having twins, multiples, and even close siblings in college at the same time. Um, and I, I guess my first question for you is probably on everyone's mind, which is that paying for one child to go to college is really daunting. So how do families afford to send more than one child to college at the same time? It, it is um, very overwhelming and, and daunting, and I, I feel for those parents. But most families will qualify for more need-based aid when there is more than one child in college at the same time. So the financial aid formula from the FAFSA and the CSS profile forms takes into account the size of the family and the number of kids in college. It's, it's one of the, the very basic questions on the form. So whether you have children back-to-back or triplets, it will be accounted for during those years of overlap. That's what we call it. When more than one is in college at the same time, we call it overlap. For example, I'm going to throw some numbers out there. Hopefully it's not too confusing. So if you had one child enrolled in your state university and it cost $25,000 a year, and the FAFSA form for that family determined that they could afford $30,000 a year, that child would not qualify for need-based aid because they looks like on paper they can afford 30000 which is more than the cost of the school. 
However, if the same family then the next year had two in college, now the FAFSA form would uh, come up with a number of 15000 each. So they take the amount that they think the family can afford, they split it over the number of children who are in college. So in that family's scenario, uh, the child would then... Um, qualify for $10,000 of need-based aid because $15,000 is $10,000 less than the $25,000 price tag. So when the feds review your information from the FAFSA form, they figure out what they think you can afford and they divide it over the number of kids in college. And of course, at the private colleges where they cost a lot more than $25,000 a year, there would be a lot more eligibility for financial aid. So, so it's key to fill out the financial aid forms and accurately report, even if you're not sure at the time where the children will be attending. Right. And of course, unfortunately, just because you qualify for aid doesn't mean that every college is going to give you aid, but certainly um, there are schools where they will. And, um, and that is really helpful to understand. And I actually didn't, I found the numbers really easy to follow and I'm not great at um, math on the fly. So, (laughs) so thank you for that. Um, You, I think you mentioned it earlier, but um, you know, I think parents often wonder how do they even know if we have more than one child in college? And certainly if you have twins who are applying to the exact same colleges or enrolled in the same college, they will know, right? But for the other colleges, um, how do the colleges know for sure that you have more than one child in college? So they basically take your word for it from the financial aid applications. Most schools, that's all you need to do is say, yes, there's you know six in the family and two of them are going to school at the same time. Um, but some of the more expensive private schools where they do give you a lot of financial aid, they really want to double check. So what we encountered in, in my own situation, my son was at Northeastern. Around October 1st of his freshman year, we received a letter from them saying, okay, you said you had two in college. Now prove it. So it was a document that had to be signed by University of San Francisco, where my daughter was attending, saying, yes, she's enrolled. Yes, she's full-time. Yes, she applied for aid. And then send that back to my son's school so that then they would release all of his financial aid. If we were unable to verify at that time that, that his sibling, his sister, was enrolled at the same time, they, you know, he would not have qualified for the amount of aid he received. So, so some schools do check. Again, it's usually the more expensive private schools that are giving a lot of money out. They will check. Other schools won't check at all, and it's just they're taking your word for it. And it doesn't matter whether they're at the local community college or an in-state public or a private. It's just that there's two enrolled at college at the same time. Right. But you certainly don't want to lie about that because then you would be (laughs) committing fraud, right, with the federal government. And that's generally a bad idea. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, How does, so we've talked about financial aid, which is typically based, well, it is based exclusively on a family's financial situation. What about merit aid, which is really more about the colleges offering money to students because they want to have them on campus and it is generally not tied to financial situation at all, right? A student, any student can qualify for merit aid. Um, Does the number of kids in college ever affect merit aid opportunities that you've seen? 
No, it doesn't really give them any more merit opportunities. However, some colleges do offer uh, sibling discounts or scholarships. Um, I've seen it mostly called a sibling discount if the second sibling is enrolled at the same school at the same time. So they would give it to the second child who enrolls at that school. It's usually not a lot of money, you know, $1,000, $2,000, but kind of just recognizing to the family that they have a sibling enrolled at the same school. There are also a few scholarships for multiples from outside resources. So when a student is doing their outside scholarship search on both the national and the local level, um, they can check off that they're a twin or a triplet, and and there might be organizations uh, for families of multiples that are sponsoring scholarships. Got it. So something definitely to look for if you are the parent of or you are twin or a triplet or some other type of multiple. So that's good to know. What other financing opportunities are there? Um, anything special or unique to this group or just in general? Well, I think this applies to all families, but I think you see it um, it. It comes to play um, a lot more in a family with multiples going to school at the same time. Um, It's important for the family to look at their cash flow and determine if they could afford to pay for college out of pocket, perhaps on a monthly payment plan. I know firsthand how much of a strain on the family budget to have several teenagers in your house at one time can be. But when my twins went off to college, I was no longer paying for their private high school. That was a given. That I knew was going to go away. But I didn't realize how much I would save on my food bill gas for my car from driving them all over, you know, here and there, and other costs like driver's education, SAT prep, AP exams, extracurricular activities, fundraisers, proms, yearbooks. You know, there's a lot of expenses for teenagers, and when you have two or three of them at the same time, those expenses add up, but they will all end when high school ends, and you can then turn that cash flow into payments for the college. Right, right, which is great and and something good to think about. And like you said, it really adds up if you have more than one child in the same year of school. But even for those parents just with one, um, that's going to be available to you as well. Any tips on the, the application process? Uh, one word, organization. <laughs> so <laughs> even though I work in the you know financial aid admissions realm for years, uh, when my kids went through it, I, I could not stay organized enough. It was, it was crazy trying to keep track of which schools, which child was applying to, where they were in the process, what forms were filled out. So trying to you know create whatever file system you need to stay organized. Remembering that you need to do the FAFSA form for each child. It's specific to the student's social security number. So if you have triplets, you'll be completing the FAFSA form three times, even though mom and dad's information will be exactly the same on each one. The FAFSA form does have a feature now that allows you to carry over some of the information from one student to the next. So you'll be prompted for this option when you get to the end of the first application. It will say, we see you have a sibling enrolled. Would you like to roll over the information to the next application? And then um, also one parent and each of the student will need an FSA ID to sign the FAFSA form. So um, again, you'll need one for each child. And then some of the colleges, not all, but some will require that CSS profile form. So keeping it straight as to which college on which student's list requires which forms, again, uh, will be uh, key to staying organized so you don't miss any required applications. 
Yeah. I mean, when Mary Sue and I talked in the first segment today, one of the things we talked about is the type of twin that is identical in every way, including in their college list. Um, And we identified some of the positives of that and some of the drawbacks. Well, certainly one of the positives would be that everybody has the same set of deadlines and the same set of forms to fill out. So if you have twins who are those kind of identical in every way, there you go. There's another upside to that. Um, Correct. Any any other final suggestions for our listeners when it comes to paying for college when you have multiples? I would uh, suggest thinking about taking the federal student loan. A lot of families want to shy away from taking a loan, but it is a loan that all students qualify for, and it's a good way for the student to own part of their education, have some skin in the game, and, and defer the cost until after graduation. I'm a big proponent for being fair and equal with your kids, so it's not really fair to have one child be required to take out the loan when another one isn't. Unless, of course, that child's getting like a full scholarship or something. So then, okay, they earned the right to skip the loan. But, um, you know, maybe from the get-go saying, okay, we're all going to start off with a student loan. Mom and dad might help you pay it back if we're in the position after graduation. But let's just start so at least we have it. And if we don't need it later on, we can always cancel it or pay it back for you. But starting every child on the same footing with the same loan. Got it. And that makes a lot of sense. Um, Lori, thank you so much for joining us today and for providing the perspective not only of a former financial aid officer, but also of the parent of twins. Um, I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, great. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back in our office hours segment, we're going to talk about what to do if you want to go to school next fall, but you haven't even started the college application process. We have some suggestions for you. um, And we'll be back in just a minute to talk them through. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Voice America. 
You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. In our first two segments today, we talked about getting twins into college and then paying for it. Um, And now we're going to talk about something completely different. And that is really this segment is addressed to those students or parents of students um, who would like to go to college in the fall, ideally, they're seniors now, but they haven't even started the process. Um, Before we get to that, though, I do want to do our school spotlight. I haven't done one of these in a while, and I was reading, I was on our blog. Um, We do these pretty regularly, so if you're interested in learning more, you can visit our blog, which is at, um, where is our blog? I have our website right here. It's at blog.getintocollege.com, pretty straightforward. Uh, And every so often we do a school spotlight. And we did one probably two years ago, but that about a school that I was reading about and totally fascinated by. And it's DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana. Um, And it might be surprising to you that uh, Barbara Kingsolver author Barbara Kingsolver, in case you haven't read any of her books, astronaut Joe Allen and historian Charles Beard are all alums of DePaul University, which is a liberal arts college that's about 50 minutes from Indianapolis. Um, It was founded in 1837 by the Methodist Church, um, and it's currently home to about 2,200 students from all over the country. Um, with a lot of students from Indiana and Illinois, but they do draw from all over the U.S. Um, The campus attracts well-rounded students who are as passionate about their academics as they are engaging with their campus community, Um, highly inquisitive students who are looking for additional intellectual pursuits should consider the Honor Scholar Program, which is an intensive experience that includes multiple interdisciplinary seminars and a required senior thesis. Um, And this spring, first-year honor students, and actually this is from a few springs ago, first-year honor students could enroll in courses like Mind, Intelligence, and Machines, uh, and New Hollywood Cinema and History. So I'm sure they're doing similarly cool classes this coming spring. Um, And if large lecture-style classrooms aren't really appealing to you, you'll love the fact that DePaul has very small class sizes and the university's largest courses enroll no more than 35 students. Uh, DePaul features a college of liberal arts as well as one of the country's oldest schools of music where students can study everything from brass and jazz to percussion and voice. And one last fun fact, DePaul has 23 Greek organizations on campus and nearly 70% of students are involved in Greek life. So if you thought that you had to go to a big school to go Greek or that you had to go down south to find that environment, well, it's right there at DePaul. So check it out if you're um, looking at schools. All right. Now let's get to you have not applied anywhere. You are a senior and you still want to go to college next year. And here to talk through your options with me is Karen Spencer, who is my colleague here at College Coach, but also a former admissions officer at both Georgetown University and Franklin and Marshall. Hi, Karen. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. And thanks for joining me. And I know that we occasionally will get an inquiry from a family who will say, we haven't even started 
Um, and when we find out that the student is a senior and it's the midpoint, mid-January of their senior year, it certainly is can be a little daunting or can feel a little daunting that, wow, this student is just getting started. Um, but what there certainly are still things that students can do to still be on track to attend college next fall. Um, so I guess what would be your first piece of advice for a student who finds himself in this situation or herself? So I think the first thing, well, and let me go back and say that DePa is hilarious that that was a school you um, highlighted because that was one of my top three choices for going to school. So I can attest, great school, very pretty campus. So I'm just going to add that little blurb before we get on, actually. So, um, yes, I actually applied there. Um, And that was not planned. Just want to let our listeners know. No, it was not at all. That was not at all planned. You're like, really? Like, (laughs) I totally visited there, liked it. Like, I can can advertise. Yes, great, great school. Um, Love it. So I would say if somebody hasn't applied yet, my first question, and I actually had a very late um, sign up this year with one of my private clients, and like the latest, I think, in the 15 years I've been doing this, I've ever had a client sign up. And, you know, my first question to a client like that, or it was at this stage now, is why haven't you applied? Like, what's, what's, this, what's the, the sticking point here, right? Is mm-hmm. it that you're just so overwhelmed by the choices that you weren't sure where you wanted to go? Is it that you're not sure you want to go to college? Is it that the finance piece is freaking out your parents or freaking out you or freaking out you both? Um, like what, what's, what's, you know, keeping you from pulling the trigger on this and, and mm-hmm. actually applying somewhere. So I think first kind of going to the genesis of like, what's the holdup, right? Like, why are we here? Um, because I think that then informs your decisions going forward, right? Because if it's about mm-hmm. finances, then my advice to you is, you know, very specific things about, okay, maybe we need to talk to your financial advisor. We need to make sure we don't, we're not, you know, buying into the myths of, of how much college costs. Maybe we talk, need to talk about how much college does cost and whether you can, you know, what's in your bank account, et cetera. Um, if it's because you're not sure you want to go, that's a different conversation, right? Yes. Yep. If it's because you feel so overwhelmed or you think because you don't know your major, somehow that means you're not equipped to pick a college, that's a different conversation. So I think for students who are looking at a blank screen and thinking, huh, I, so the first question is to ask yourself, why, how did I get here, right? And, and right. why am I here and not having applied? And then kind of going from there and depending on your answer. Right. And I think that's really good advice and actually not something I was necessarily thinking about, but very important. And I also think if you are sitting there listening to this podcast and saying, well, I haven't gotten anywhere because, you know, no one was talking about it at home and and maybe I just heard my friends talking about it and I didn't think it was for me. And now I'm starting to think that it is for me. One piece of advice that I would have is if at all possible, see if you're... um, your counselor at your school has time to help support you maybe a little bit more than um, they have the time to support other students. Maybe they didn't realize that you were considering college. Um, Maybe they didn't realize that you don't have that support anywhere else. So certainly raise your hand if your school counselor doesn't have availability. Maybe one of your teachers at school would have some time to spend to try to help you um, get on track. Certainly there's a lot that you can learn just by listening to the podcast, but there's no substitute for having someone right where you are help you. And um, so try reaching out. And there might also be a community-based organization in your area that could help you. And so even if your school counselor doesn't have the resources to support you 
in in the way that you need, he or she might be able to recommend a, a local community organization that could. But try some of those resources at all uh, also to help you out. All right. With that said, um, I think my first question for you, Karen, is or my second question for you really is, are there even schools still accepting applications right now? It feels like most of those deadlines have come and gone. Um, but what's your experience with that? So actually, there's a lot of schools actually that are taking what we would consider or what we call late applications. But one of the best things, if you go on the Big Futures website, which is the College Board's um, search engine, a lot of people don't realize the College Board that puts out the SAT um, and the AP test actually has a huge search engine for colleges on uh, as part of their program. If you go to the Big Futures website, um, there's a whole thing with colleges with later application deadlines. And the list is long. Right. So and it's of mm-hmm. many colleges you heard of. This isn't like some, you know, college in the middle of backwater somewhere that you're like, I've never heard of this. Like this, these are colleges that most of you have heard of. Um, many, many colleges. I'm looking at for even January 15th, right, which is admittedly around the corner. But, you know, my former school, I worked at Franklin and Marshall College is on there. University of Richmond, University of Connecticut, University of Delaware, University of Georgia. Like there's a lot of schools on this list. George Mason, which is down the street from me. Right. There's a ton of schools on this list. Right. That. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, heard of. Um, there are schools going into February. Um, Baylor, um, Butler, uh, DePauw, actually, incidentally, mm-hmm. as, as we were talking about DePauw earlier, that is on there. Um, Gonzaga. I mean, there's a ton of schools that you've heard, again, going all the way and even into March and even April. Now, you know, some of these schools are more like a rolling basis, which means they've been filling up their class kind of progressively, so they may not have as many spots available as they did, you know, a month ago, but there is a long, long list of colleges on here. So the first news is you've got a lot of choices. So if, you know, you were thinking about, nope, they're all done, I I would encourage you to go on the Big Futures website and look at the late applications. Just Google Big Future College Board late applications. It'll come right up. There's a long list of schools here across the United States. Yeah, and I think the other thing that's interesting is if you also – There's another resource, which you may have been prepared to talk about, and I will let you talk about that. But there's another resource that will ultimately be available on the NACAC website. And um, I don't know if if you have the information on that or I can share more. I I failed to talk to you about that. The NACAC, yes. No, that's okay. So the NACAC website is, so the NACAC stands for the National Association of College Admissions Counselors. Um, it's the governing body for those of you who wouldn't know, which why would you? Because unless you work in this strange, weird business we work in, <laughs> you wouldn't know this is a thing. So NACAC is one of the governing bodies, and they always put out a list in, um, I believe it's May 1st. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go look at my notes on that one. Um, but that of, of people or colleges that are still taking applications, late applications. So now, here's the thing. Are these going to be super selective colleges? No, th- those those are not you're not going to find those on the list. Um, but there's still going to be plenty of colleges that are interested in taking students. Maybe they didn't fully enroll their class. Um, maybe they didn't get as many applications as they thought they were going to this year. So come May 1st, there is always um, a list on the NACAC um, website. So again, if you just googled NACAC, you know, still accepting you know, college applications come, you know, May 1st, you'll find a list there as well. So if you really get to the point where, okay, we're still not ready, and all of a sudden your, you know, son or daughter is in April, it's like, oh, yeah, just kidding. 
I want to go, and you're like, oh, that's, that's super helpful, thanks, um, there will still be options for that student. may not be all the options they wanted, but there will be options. Right. It, it, good point. Two things. One is it may not be the, the schools that you were hoping for um, or that you were thinking about and planning to apply to. And the second thing is there may not be much money left at that stage of the game, right? So they may be mostly looking to full pay students. And if they had merit money, it may be all gone. If they had financial aid, they may have run through it at that point. Maybe not, but maybe. If you're... Um, you're looking at this list of colleges that are still accepting applications and either you're, it's tomorrow or it's, you know, five days from now and you don't have time to put together a good application or you don't like any of the colleges that are still accepting applications or you have missed out on paying for them because all of the aid is gone and now you can't afford the sticker price and there isn't any financial assistance to be had. What's an option for students like that? Sure. So you've got kind of two different options, I would say. One is to start off at community college Mm -hmm. and um, decide to spend a year, which you might do in any scenario even. I mean, besides, even if you do, you know, financial aid is not an issue, these two options are still a good option um, for a lot of students who haven't applied anywhere. So one is community college, um, spending a year or two there, um, you know, particularly a good option for kids who are maybe a little bit nervous about jumping into the deep end immediately, or for whatever reason, going away to especially a four-year college just didn't seem particularly like a good fit for where they are in life for whatever reason. Right. Um, a community college can be a great choice, right? It can often sometimes be cheaper. Um, it's a great way to put your toe in the shallow end, right? Cause you're still usually still living at home um, and kind of seeing how you do. So that is a great choice. Um, there's some excellent community colleges um, around here and they have pretty much, you know, it's an open enrollment and, you know, you may not, you know, if you don't enroll until August, you may not get your first dip on classes, but you might. So that is, is always a good backup plan for a lot of students and maybe the bright choice regardless of whether even if yes. you hadn't missed the deadlines, this might be the best choice for you anyway. I think especially if you were a little gun shy, we are again going back to my original question, why are you here? Like, why haven't you applied? Um, and so if there's any reason why you're thinking, mm, I'm not sure four-year college is right now at least the right thing for me, community college can be um, a great choice. Um, and- the second... Um, do you have anything? I'm sorry. I want to yeah. cut you off. Before no, I go to my next thing, I, anything you want to say about community colleges? Yeah, the only thing I was going to add there was that um, the other good thing about starting at community college could be that they might have articulation agreements with a four-year college in your state. And by that, I mean they may have an agreement that if you satisfy a few um, introductory credits at the community college, you can automatically transfer into a four-year institution. Usually it's a local four-year institution, but sometimes it might be one that's a little bit farther away. So that could also be a really great path into college and a cheaper way to get through college um, because you start at the open enrollment institution and then you prove yourself and then can transfer right in. So you're not wasting time and you could still graduate uh, along with your students who you're graduating with from high school. You don't lose a step taking that um, taking that path. But okay, give us the the other option for those students. So then the other option is simply to take a gap year. 
Um, and this is something, and I think you can agree, when you and I started back t- a long time ago, this was something that was kind of an anomaly uh, 15 mm-hmm. years ago. Like, this is something kind of only a handful of students did. And now I feel like it's super popular, um, you know, and, and it's a very common option for, I shouldn't say common, that may be the wrong term, but um, <laughs> it's a much more common option than it was before for students who, for whatever reason, felt like they needed a year off. Um, they wanted to not continue on in college. Now, some of these kids might have done, you know, they already had plans. Like, they wanted to go, you know, they have an internship and they wanted to go to Europe and spend some, you know, six months backpacking through Europe and, you know, doing an internship in the other semester because they just, you know, maybe they were burned out from high school. Okay. Somebody else has, you know, some other opportunity they wanted to take advantage of, um, and so they postponed for a year. Um, so people take gap years for all kinds of reasons, um, but this really buys you time to do something else in the meantime and for the next, you know, however many months, um, you know, eight, nine, ten months before the next the applications would be due again um, and really do whatever it is you need to do to think about what is the right path for you. Um, so, again, people do any number of things on gap year, you know, gap years, and then there's many organized gap year programs. I mean, if you Google gap year, you know, summer 2020, you're going to be you know, inundated with options for organized gap year programs. So um, this has become really like a thing that a lot of students do. And for a student that is stuck and thinking, I'm not really sure okay, maybe if I want to go to college, what I want from my college experience, what I want to do, um, this can be a great, a, another maturation year too, just if nothing else, another year to find themselves, another year to kind of explore their interests. Um, and again, like I said, a lot of people, they just needed a break from high school, right? Maybe they were kind of mm-hmm. burned out and they just need a year off. That's also an option. So um, it's something, again, more and more students are doing. Yeah, I do think if you're going to take the gap year choice, if that's the choice you're going to make, um, one thing that you might want to do is talk to your school counselor now about that choice um, and understand what the process will be for you to get documents from the school when you are applying to college next fall, because it will be a slightly different prospect than when you're currently enrolled. It's, it's going to require a little bit more on your end to do that. And also, don't get yourself in a place where you once again, not that you're in this place because you procrastinated, but if you are in this place because you have procrastinated, then make sure that you set a schedule for yourself so you don't wind just, you find yourself in the same exact position of scrambling at the last minute, right? So this will allow you to take a slightly more thoughtful and leisurely approach to the college process. Um, and the benefit now is that the primary focus for you can be on completing your senior year, um, doing really good work. Maybe if you need to retake your standardized tests, you can do that. Um, if you're a student who happens to be doing things like APs, take the AP at the end of the school year. Um, now you'll have that to report as well. But don't just sort of say, okay, I'm going to take the gap year and then forget about the college process um, and, uh, and get yourself in the same position all over again. Um, Karen, thank you so much. I think there's some good suggestions here for students, and I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Always happy to be on the show. Thanks so much, and good luck to everybody um, deciding what they want to do if they find themselves in this situation. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, All right, everybody, next week I am back, um, and I'm going to be talking about the transfer process for students who maybe find themselves enrolled somewhere that they're not super happy 
uh, at uh, an institution they're not happy at. Um, We're also going to be taking listener questions. And um, if you have questions, we would love to answer them on air. So send them to us at gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Helpful questions tend to be a little bit more specific, not crazy specific necessarily, but a little more specific than sort of how do I get started? What should I be thinking about? Um, So if you have some specific questions that have come up while you're visiting schools or while you're thinking about getting started on a list or while you're trying to make a decision about where to go to college because your acceptances are coming in, send those questions in. We'll do our best to answer them on air. Um, Also, follow us. We're on Facebook. You can always ask a question on Facebook. Um, We're on Instagram at College Coach BH. I am on Instagram at Elizabeth Heaton 92. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. We're under the Kids and Family uh, Education for Kids and Education How To. So that's a new place to find us on Apple Podcasts. Um, and don't forget, we are here every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. Please join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.